0: I've been struck with lately, maybe you have as well, just <clears throat> the number of people uh, in our church, in our community, who are who are really struggling. It just seems like life is, is really hard right now. And and I don't know, as you were watching that video, uh, that uh, and thank you, Greg. It's a perfect segue into the message. He picked that out, and I thought that's perfect. I don't know if right now you're watching that and thinking, yeah. Yeah, maybe somebody else, but I'm not feeling all that flawless right now. Um, I know there's, there's people in our church family who are just really struggling. Some of you have made it known. Some of you come here every week and you just don't share it because you don't feel comfortable or maybe you've been taught you really don't kind of share those things. Um, and I just, as a student of Facebook, I, I'm amazed at how many times I read um, people who are going through a lot of pain. Even this morning. I mean, today will all be about mothers, but uh, not every one of those are, are just "thank you, mom." There, there's a lot of other feelings about Mother's Day, and so I wanted to to kind of speak to you this week and next week on a on a um, a series that I, I, I can you call it two Sundays a series? Okay, on why God, and I, I want to. Um, Say that this message is for anybody who feels like uh, I was in that video, but I don't feel flawless. I, I haven't been able to wrap my, my head in my heart and put them on the same page. Um, maybe it's for some of you who've lost loved ones to cancer, um, who no matter how hard you try, you just can't have children. You've lost your job and are really struggling financially. You're single, and the emptiness of not finding somebody that you can love is just eats away at you daily. You have kids that have rebelled and have running, are running from God. Your business has gone through very difficult times, and you're not sure if you're going to have to lay people off. You're not sure if, if your business is even going to make it. Maybe you've been diagnosed with something or, or, or your health is failing, Or you've just, you've tried to honor God and live a life that's pleasing to Him, but it just doesn't seem like it's working. When I was growing up, you know, I was told that you should never ask God why. What you should say is, what? What's God? What do you have for me? Never question Him why. And I don't know if I believe that anymore, because This morning we're going to look at a prophet of God who asked God why. And there's others in scriptures who have gone to God and have said why. And I think I've changed it from never ask God why, ask him what, to if you're going to ask why, ask it to God. He he is the one that you need to be asking your whys to. Because there's a lot of people that go through these things on this video, the things that I mentioned, they go through life and at some point they say, you know, I don't know why a God would allow this to happen. I don't know why God would do this. Or if this is God, then I'm out. You've known, maybe some of you people who have walked away from their faith. And, and from a human perspective, have a good reason to. Hear me out. Because it, it just looks like an incredible, you know, dark journey. And the thought of why would God allow that to happen? And maybe they, like me, have been taught, don't ask God Why? Just trust in him. I think it's okay. I think it's okay when we are going through difficulty to say, why God? As long as he's the one we're asking why to. Because what some people say is, I'm not going to ask it to God, so I'm going to go over here and find the answer somewhere else. And so this morning, I'm guessing that this room will full of people who at some point in their life have said, I keep pointing. Is it up there? Okay. (laughs) At some point in their life have said, why God? And uh, we'd like to look at this morning... um, I'm going to pray here. Let me, let me pray quickly. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Um, this is one of those topics where I don't know how far the journey is and all the different minds here from, from the head to the heart, and I don't know um, at what stage people are in when they ask this question. I know the question's being asked all throughout this church and our community as, as we struggle with making sense of things that, that seem senseless, as we struggle with with wondering what you were doing and why you would do this. And ask you to speak to us this morning and and next week. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at uh, the book of Habakkuk. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to turn there. If you're here as a visitor, there should be a Bible in your pew. And in the very, very beginning, there's a table of contents, and it's a section. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And if you scroll down through the Old Testament, you'll see this funny word called Habakkuk. Don't make fun of it. It's some guy, some mother named her boy that. Kind of fitting because his name means to embrace, to wrap your arm around, and, and the idea of to wrestle with. And here we see Habakkuk trying to wrap his arms around a lot of injustice, a lot of, a lot of things that don't seem right, seem unfair. And, um, and if you want to use a play on words, I don't know if his mother thought all this when she was naming him, but, but also his, his desire to be able to embrace God in the midst of, of all this uncertainty. Um, so we're going to be looking, if, you, if you've navigated Habakkuk, we're going to look at it this week and next week. Um, by the way, it is, can also be pronounced Habakkuk, um, but his mother said, don't do that, because then they're going to start calling him Cook for short, and we don't like that. So we're going to use Habakkuk, you know, as, as how we describe his name. That was funny, by the way, that was, in, that was totally impromptu, that was good. Um, if I can just remember to use my glasses instead of holding them, that'd be wonderful. Uh, He's considered a minor prophet, not because what he had to say was less important, but because it's a short book. how about that? The major prophets had big books, and the minor prophets had little ones. And um, what we see in the book of Habakkuk is is Habakkuk, you know, he's a different prophet than all the others because he's the only one, typically the prophets took a message from God and delivered it to the people. Habakkuk takes the message from the people himself and delivers it to God. Quite boldly, I might add. And so what you see in this, this short book is two complaints to God and two answers from God. And so really, you can't really wrap this up until next week, but we're going we're gonna to try to give you something to hold on and want to bring you back, you know, after this week. So we're going to look today at really his first complaint. In order to understand why he's complaining, we need to a little bit about what's going on internationally and nationally at this time. The Assyrians were the great empire— and the Babylonians were taking them over and were going, you know, spreading across the land and defeating and wiping out the Assyrians, the Syrian Empire. Um, Nineveh was a big one. They went in there, and, and Egypt knew that the Babylonians were coming, so, so Egypt was going to come to the aid of Assyria, not that they liked Assyria, but n- neither one of them liked the Babylonians. And on their way through, by the way, they, uh, they came through, you know, Judah, and Judah didn't Want them there, so they tried to fight them. And King Josiah was the king that went out and they had to fight against the Egyptians, and they lost. And King Josiah died. And they end up losing as well with the Assyrians because the Babylonians took them over. And as you know, if you know a little bit about the history, the Babylonian Empire just became huge and great and fierce. And that's kind of what's going on in the international scene. Nationally, <clears throat> Josiah has died, and as you know, he was a big reformer. And his father, Ammon, and his grandfather, Manasseh, were wicked, wicked, wicked kings. Manasseh was probably the the wickedest. Is that the right word? Most wicked? Wickedest? When you're that bad, you can say wickedest because it's it's really bad. And Josiah had had brought some reform. And he dies. And he had three sons and a grandson. And and they didn't lead in the same way Josiah did. And they brought back all the idols. And they brought back all the, the evil and the wickedness that was taking place. And so <clears throat> this is what Habakkuk is looking at, you know. Now, he didn't, you know, turn on his TV at the news at night or, or, you know, get a text from AP News, you know, or navigate through his phone at the international scene, but he would have been aware of kind of what was going on internationally and also nationally. And, and obviously, if what's going on internationally and nationally, it's going on locally as well. And so no doubt Habakkuk had been looking at those in his community and thinking, wow, there's just incredible wickedness. People are doing, you know, just, just things that you just wouldn't, have, couldn't imagine. And perhaps, he's thinking, because I would be, but they seem to have good things happen to them. You know, I mean, wicked people have good things happen to them, and sometimes good people have bad things happen to them. And that causes one to say, what in the world is going on, God? When he looked at the international, and he looked at the uh, the national scene, and looked at the Local crisis that was taking place in his own town, and Habakkuk cries out to God. So let's look at verses 2 and 4 and read what he actually says to God. Verse verse 2 How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you, Violence! You don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, there is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. You yeah, know they say never say never? You know, but his mom didn't teach him that, I guess. Ne- justice never prevails. And listen to this. The wicked him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. You can see Habakkuk, you know, as he's trying to figure out what is going on, he goes to God. And he's been going to God. And God's been silent. He's been asking God, what is going on? Are you there? Are you paying attention? Have you fallen asleep? Are you busy with other galaxies? You know, are you, you know, what is going on? And there's no answer. And so you hear him now complaining to God and saying, you know, I'm I'm tired of asking you for answers and you remain silent. I'm tired of watching destruction, knowing that you could do something about it and you don't do anything about it. I mean, that's pretty bold, right? To go to God and basically say, he- hear me out, what is your problem? I mean, if it was written today, that's what it was saying. What is your problem? I don't understand. That's his complaint to God. And you know, it's, uh, it's not hard, by the way, to find some parallels to the day. You know, you look internationally at the crisis that's happened all over the world, the, the new threat of terrorism and ISIS and just the blatant killing of people just because you can, and then to look at our nation and watch things on the news and think, how do we get to this point? You know, I remember, uh, you know, when I was watching the the stuff that was happening in Baltimore, I remember as a kid, you know, you would watch these things growing up on TV, and you would think, well, that would never happen in my country, right? You'd watch all this stuff happening, and you think, well, good thing it doesn't happen to go USA, and now it is. And it's not hard to even look at our nation and say, what in the world is going on? And wonder, is God, you know, why? Why, God, are you allowing all this to happen? And then, for some of you, as you're going through difficulty in your life, to look and say, why would this happen to me? God, why can't we have children? I don't understand. We follow you. We, we, we're believers. We trust you. Why can't you do this? God, why can't you provide somebody for me to love? I have a good friend of mine that just, just was so badly want to have somebody that that person could marry and spend the rest of your life with. And God, why, why not? I'm, I'm doing everything right, it seems like. God, why would you take my spouse from me? Why would you take my children? Why aren't my children following you? God, why have you allowed my business to suffer so much? I don't know. I know some of you, because we've talked about it, have said, I just don't understand why God would allow this. And maybe others want to feel that, but you've been told that you can't do that. I think from a back it's okay to go to God. God never says to him, don't you dare say why to me ever again. He never says that. And we're going to look at what he does say. You know, but as you look at The international scene, and you look at the national scene, you look at the local scene, you look at all the pain, and you look at all the problems people face. You could relate to a back maybe. You know, here's a prophet of God saying, I'm used to kind of giving people the Lord's message, but now I got a message for the Lord. I don't understand this. And God answers. And look, let's read it together what God says. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe it, even if you were told. And if you unpack this, he's not saying, I'm going to tell you something, and you wouldn't believe it if I told you, because that doesn't make sense. What he's really saying is, you know, I'm going to tell you something, and even when it happens, you're not going to believe it. You're going to say to yourself, okay, I just can't imagine that this is going on. And here's what God says to Habakkuk. Now he doesn't say this to us. He says to Habakkuk, Yes, I'm watching the international scene. I'm watching the national scene. I know that Josiah is dead. I know that his sons are, are wicked. I know that the nation has walked against me. And I know that the Assyrians are horrible people. And I know the Egyptian but here's what I'm gonna do. Ready for this one? You know those Babylonians? And he describes them, and you can read it. He describes those fierce people that their their God is how strong they are. You know those people? They're coming. They're going to wipe you out. And you think it was bad what uh, the Egyptian king did by raiding the temple and taking people back and setting up their own king? Oh, the Babylonians are going to do that. And we know. We know what happened. We know the Nebuchadnezzar came in and took a lot of people, slaves. We know one of those, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was all about the same time. That was the fulfillment of what God's telling Habakkuk. and But basically, God is saying what I'm doing, I'm aware of it, and I'm doing something, but if I would tell you, it'd blow your mind, and you know, when I think back at my life, you know, there's been times when I thought, if I could just understand why God thinks the way he is, and then I pause, and I think, I'm glad I can't, because I don't, I don't think I could understand, I I think I'd be blown away if God said, let me just give you a window of what I'm doing in the next day, I think it would blow me away. I'm like, holy moly. Well, I don't know if I'd say holy moly to God. <laughs> I think I'd say, oh, wherever it would. You know, but, but uh, you know, so many times we, we want God to explain it to us. And, and that's what Habakkuk's saying. Explain it to me. And God is saying, okay, brace yourself. I'm going to tell you something that it's going to blow your mind away at what I'm doing. Because you're not going to understand it. And we know, and we'll talk more about this next week. You know, if his first complaint wasn't bad enough, his his second complaint is even stronger because he didn't like God's answer. That's pretty bold when you say, God, I want an answer, and God gives you one. You say, now I'm ticked off at your answer. And we'll talk about that next week. But uh, God's answer to him is, okay, you're not going to believe what I have to say. And so how does Habakkuk deal with this? How do we find comfort when we cry out to God, and he doesn't answer us. And then when we do get the answer, we don't like the answer. I shared this when we talked in our Sunday school class about my, my son in prison. We did a little exercise in Sunday school. And, you know, as you know the story, we, we had people all over the country praying that God would keep him going to prison. And guess what God's answer was? He's going to prison anyway. And there was a moment where, there was a moment, if I'd be honest, where I thought, well, why bother praying then? Because God didn't do it the way I wanted. And, and if God could, he could, if he w- chooses to say to me, okay, I'm going to give you a window into the reason why this is happening, I think it would blow me away. And he hasn't done that. Now, he's giving me small glimpses. There's been times when I, believe it or not, where I've said now, thank you, God, that he's in prison. I know it sounds really weird because I'm starting to see a little bit of what God is doing. And Habakkuk's got to understand this. And how do we understand this? As you look at what's going around the world, and as you look at what's going on in our country, and what's going on in our, in our community, and even in your own life, when you cry out to God and say, God, will you just answer me? Will you tell me why? And sometimes you get that answer, but sometimes you don't, right? I mean, you've experienced that. Sometimes God says, you wouldn't even understand it, so I, I, I can't tell you. Or if I do tell you, you're not even going to like it. And so how does, how does Habakkuk process this complaint from God? I, I'd like to fast forward to the end because really this book was written as a song. And if you look at the very end of the book, and I'm going to suggest, I wasn't there, that it's a classic hymn with three stanzas and a chorus. And so stanza one is my first complaint to God and his answer. Stanza two is, okay, now I'm really angry. My second complaint to God and his answer. And stanza three is my response to all this. And uh, as you look at chapter three, most of you have a title in there. It's Habakkuk's Prayer. But I'd like you to flip back to Habakkuk, the very end, Habakkuk chapter three. Verse 17, I think it says. (laughs) These glasses don't help. All right. Because here's the chorus, and I I, want to read it to you. And the verses, like often hymns do, the verses tell a story of what's taking place, but the chorus kind of summarizes, you know, the whole thing. So what I'd like us to do, and we're going to do the same thing next week, by the way, because it's the same conclusion next week, um, is to look at the end of these complaints and answers to what Habakkuk says. He says, and here's the chorus, I'm not going to sing it for you, although I could. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crops fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. And I believe that at the end of this song, each, each complaint and answer, this is what Habakkuk says. How does he get there? Well, we'll talk more about that next week. But what do we have to hold on to? when we think about what's going on in our own lives, when we think about the pain that is happening in our families, to our loved ones, whether it's things that aren't happening we wish they would, or things that are happening and we wish they would not. God's answer to a Habakkuk is, I'm, I'm working on it even though you don't see it. And I'm going to share it with you, you're not going to like the outcome. And I think that... Um, one of the things that he's going to learn, that we have to learn, is what Isaiah learned. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Isaiah 55. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. I, I like how it's worded. And here's what it says. God is speaking. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Somehow, in this song that Habakkuk was writing and sharing his heart and his journey with God, he understood, even though right now we have to leave him where he doesn't. Cause we'll pick that up next week. But we get to the end where he understands, and he starts this even though, even though all these things could go wrong. I think that's where God wants us to be today. So what I'd like you to do today is to list in your head the even those. I don't know what they are for you. What are the even those? Maybe they're things that are, have happened, or will happen, or are happening now. Or maybe those things that will happen in the future. And this isn't an easy exercise. Believe me. So even though, can I pick one of you guys? Even though we've been diagnosed with cancer. What's yours? Even though my spouse was taken from me. Even though my kids won't talk to me today. Even though my business is failing. Even though I'm worried about my health, and I don't know how long I'll be around. Even though, I don't know what it is, but we all have them. We've had them, and we will have more. And something happened from this prophet who says, God, I'm asking you why I don't understand. And he never really totally understands, but somehow, and we'll talk about this next week, he gets to the point where he says, even though, and he starts to think of all the horrible things that could ever happen even though. And so this morning, I would like to, to kind of wind down here and, and ask you to write it down or mentally make a note of what your even those are. I don't know. We talked to one of my neighbors yesterday. His son was working, doing some electrical work, and somehow the current went from one end of him to the other end of him, and he couldn't, he couldn't let go. And Right before his life ended, he was able to kick off away from the wall so that the electric current would, would break. And he, and, um, and he, he lived to, to tell about it. But talking to my neighbor, and just like this, I mean, he could, could have lost his life. I mean, you never know how quickly things change. And so for my neighbor, I would ask, even though, even though your son might, might have passed away yesterday. That's hard to do, my friends. I mean, I realize this. It's hard to say, even though all of this I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk's not there yet. We just read the chorus because this is all written after the fact. But we're going to come back next week and talk about how it gets worse, you know, for him and his mind and his frustration, his confusion with God. And so if you're sitting here saying, Chuck, you didn't package it very neat. I'm still walking out of here, you know, just as confused and, and wondering as ever. That's okay. Please come back next week. But I think there's some lessons that we can learn from, from this first complaint and God's answer to the up, And I'd like to share those with you. One is this. When things, and, and I realize these may or may not provide comfort because when you're in the midst of the why gods, it's hard to find any comfort. Now, I understand that. I understand that the journey from the head to the heart, you know, there's a lot that has to take in between. But I'm just going to give you some information for the head and then pray that it massages down to your heart. One is when things do not make sense to you, no, they make sense to God. When things don't make sense to you, they make sense to God. I don't know how. When I look, when I, if I play Habakkuk's tape, wow, well, CD, MP3 player, you know, <clears throat> when, I, when I play his 8-track, uh, I, um, I think I can relate. I look around, I watch the news, what's going on in the world, and I think, holy moly. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Even our country and I look at my own life, things that have happened that I wish they hadn't happened. And one of the lessons is, you know, God's saying, listen, I, oh, yeah, I'm aware. I, I know. In fact, I, in fact, part of what, I, what bothered Habakkuk is I'm orchestrating it all. Whatever's happened, know that I'm aware of it. I'm fully aware, and I'm involved in it. In fact, it's happening because I'm letting it or I'm making it happen. So when it doesn't make sense to God, I mean, when it doesn't make sense to you, know that it makes sense to God. The second one is this. Fairness is a matter of perspective, and we don't have God's perspective. When my kids were growing up, I used to teach them, I know this sounds kind of psycho, but I used to teach them, I'd say, what is life? And the, answer, the right answer was, life's unfair. And I would teach my kids that. I would say, hey, hey, ask, ask, ask Barry, what is life? And they say, what is life? And he life is unfair. You know, and people are like, wow, this guy's crazy. But but It's unfair. And because we see the present, we can look back on the past and try to make sense, and we can kind of wonder about the future, but we live in the present. So, of course, it's going to be unfair. But for God, there's no past, present, and future. They're all in there together. And and he has perspective that we could never have. And so, when I say, God, why would would any father want their son in prison, especially God the father? Why, Why would you want that? I, that's me saying I don't understand the perspective of God. But ready for this? My son is safer in prison than if he wasn't in prison. Yeah, That's kind of weird, isn't it? He's safer in prison. And, and little by little, I'll never gain it all. I'm gaining perspective, God's perspective on the situation. And so I want to encourage you, as, as some of you are struggling right now, that you know, when we say this doesn't seem fair, that's okay to say that. But understand, that's because we don't have God's perspective. And in God's perspective, everything is fair because everything has a purpose. Everything is accomplishing something. God's not up there saying, oh, boy, oh, boy, didn't know it going to happen. Can we, can we do something about this one? He's fully aware, and that's what he says to Habakkuk. I know, I know. And if I would tell you the whole thing, it would blow your mind away. So I'm going to give you just a little piece of it. When things don't make sense to us, they make sense to God. Fairness is a matter of perspective, and we don't have God's perspective which leads to the third point. This is where Habakkuk's at right now. I mean, we, don't, we know the rest of the story. Pretend we don't. You have two choices. We can get bitter or we can get better. It kind of sounds, you know, kind of canned. And it kind of sounds unemotional and unsympathetic. But really it boils down to that. I can get bitter. And I can say, why God? I'm never going to follow you. And I can raise my fist to God and say, who wants to follow a God like this? Or I can get better and I can say, God, even though, whatever they are, even though, even though, even though, and I can go to the chorus and I can shout out in song, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. That's where Habakkuk gets. That's why this is the chorus. He's not there yet. because we still have stanza two and stanza three. And I guess my prayer for myself and for you is that that I would hold on to when things don't make sense to me that I know they make sense to God. And when I can't get perspective, it's because I can't have I don't have God's perspective and I see things differently. And so my response is rather than rather than get bitter, I want to get better. That doesn't mean that today's easier. It doesn't mean that the pain goes away. But it boils down, really, this this chapter, this chorus in chapter 3, boils down to real faith versus circumstantial faith. Real faith says, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust. And nestled in this passage, we'll look a little bit tomorrow, nestled in this little, little book is the phrase, the just will live by faith. And that's what God calls us to do, to be able to say, even though, what is your even though? Even though, fill it in, yet I will trust. That's what God wants from us. That's what He requires from us. Habakkuk hasn't learned it yet because you'll see next week that he's still pretty angry. But the good news is he will learn it. And He shared it down, He shared it with us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for placing through difficult things where it's hard for us to feel flawless. It's hard for us to understand, and it's, it's easy for us to shout out and say, why, God? And I pray that we would know that you love us enough that you want to hear us cry out to you. That when we are sinking, when we, are, we feel like the, the water's engulfing us and we need something to hold on to, that we would know that we can hold on to you even when we don't understand. God, even though all these things are happening in our lives and all around our community and our country and our world. I pray that we would trust in you and that when it doesn't make sense and we don't have perspective, that we would desire to get better and not better. In Jesus' name, amen.